episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Julia Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program and not a student. If you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. So speaking of that, this week I have changed course a little bit. I normally focus on a news story that Fox News promotes, usually something misleading or something confusing where they're not really being completely transparent with their viewers. They're showing a skewed side of it, and then I kind of break it down. Um, when they lie about things or when they mislead about things, I try to show you, give you the tools to show you how to break that down in case your relatives, neighbors, friends are rambling on about some various conspiracy theory or wacky um, thing they heard on Fox News. But this week was different because of what happened in Buffalo, and I want to instead focus on a theme that's being pushed heavily on Fox News, and that theme would be how they are blaming the left wing for the problem of white supremacy. And they're blaming the left wing for the problem of right wing violence. And that's insidious. So to the headline, very simple this week, Fox News implies the left creates white supremacists. A typical Fox viewer last week would think that the U.S. economy is about to collapse. Our southern border is overrun with migrants, and Tucker Carlson had absolutely nothing to do with a mass shooting in Buffalo. This past week took an especially sinister turn when Tucker Car Carlson repeatedly tried to distance himself from his political rhetoric of the Great Replacement, an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory promoted on Tucker Carlson over 400 times and espoused by the alleged shooter in the racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo, New York. So... We're just going to go clip, 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 because the clips tell the story better than I can. And um, very quickly, though, the argument that I've seen over and over again when I was researching the Proud Boys, which, of course, turned into researching a bunch of other white nationalists because there's so much overlap, is basically the left wing has become so extreme that they are driving men, mostly men, to the fringes of the right. It's our fault. It's the fact that left-wingers are like, hey, don't say that racist thing that you just said. We are somehow pushing them to their limits. And it's so the political correctness, the woke mob, the you have to say he for a pronoun for a trans man or they for a non-binary person is somehow driving them so crazy that they're being driven to these, uh, these acts of violence or that simply pointing out that the United States has a racist history of genocide and slavery, just pointing that out is enough to make them lose their minds that we're breaking their spirit or whatever. So it's, I've heard this, I've seen it over and over and over again. So when you see it on Fox News, you know that's a problem because Fox News has an enormous audience. So I'm just going to play this first clip it is self-explanatory. This is Tucker Carlson. Well, here's Anna Navarro from her time as a Harvard fellow. This is what she wrote, quote, the demographic trends show that the minority vote in the United States will continue to grow in numbers and influence. 
Unless you're under the influence of hallucinogens, it is hard to imagine future scenarios where the Republican Party can win national elections. That piece, by the way, is called Old White Straight Male Voters Ain't What They Used To Be, end quote. So let's see, if you don't want people to be paranoid and angry, maybe you don't write pieces like that and rub it right in their face and give them the finger day after day. Maybe that would de-escalate it a little bit, you think, Joe Biden, Anna Navarro? So to anyone out there who had a friend or family member in an abusive relationship, or if you yourself have survived an abusive relationship, you instantly recognize that type of language. Basically, what Tucker Carlson just said is, you made me hit you. It's a way of saying the right has gotten radicalized because you, the left, has taunted and mocked us and belittled us. And we had no other choice but to go over the edge into darkness and hate. Basically what he's saying, you made me hit you. When I heard that, I, I, my blood ran cold and immediately clipped it. I was like, that's it. Get, get out of my way. Th this is going on Twitter now. The next clip I'm going to play for you is from earlier in the month. It's from The Five. This is Greg Gutfeld, and he's basically saying the same thing, but in a different way. Um, but the Republicans don't do that. They don't see the other side as evil. They see the other side as wrong. So they're less likely to get physical. Of course, there are there are extreme, you know there are exceptions. But the Dems have a me have the memories of goldfish. Don't they know if they normalize this behavior? The right always learns from the left. It wasn't like the Tea Party just came out of nowhere. I mean, before that, you had Occupy Wall Street. Uh, January 6th actually came after Antifa, uh, BLM, right? And also the riots. So there's a, there's a, if you normalize violence, you're also normalizing violence for the other side. So it would be best if your political leaders would condemn this, because I hate to tell you, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it always, it, we, we're in this cyclical thing. And, and Republicans, activists, conservative activists, they have an internal braking system. They don't lose control or destroy things because they're more prone to process order and orderliness. That's why you don't see, that's why these right to life marches are so calm and so peaceful and that there's no litter. Okay, there's a lot to unpack with that. Now, for starters, Greg, I've got a group for you that's violent. It's called the Ku Klux Klan. They were formed after the Civil War. They killed people and terrorized entire communities. And guess what? They didn't learn it from the left. Now, I could keep going, but uh, white supremacy goes all the way back to the 17th century. You might want to, I don't know, pick up a book or something. Second, you, when you talk about uh, pro-life protesters of all people to talk about and violence, wow, I got some stats for you. Okay, this is from Ms. Magazine. I read this in the uh, episode about abortion. Here we go. All told, from 1977 to 2020, acts of anti-abortion violence included at least 11 murders, 26 attempted murders, 956 threats of harm or death, 624 stalking incidents, 4 kidnappings, 42 bombings, 194 arsons, 104 attempted bombings or arsons, 667 bomb threats, and the last abortion clinic that was burned to the ground happened just this past New Year's Eve in Knoxville, Tennessee. Please Google it if you don't believe me. So yes, it's absurd to make blanket statements about the right and the left 
like somehow people magically act one way on one side and magically act another way on the other side. And the last time I checked, I don't think there was a single member of Occupy Wall Street that walked into a grocery store and started shooting people. I don't think there was a bombing. I can't remember any sort of crazy violence. I remember a lot of people hanging out in a tiny little park in Manhattan. I live in Brooklyn. I've lived here the whole time. I've lived here since 2001. So I don't remember, I do not recall any sort of mass violence during Occupy Wall Street. So that, that may not be the best example for you. Okay, so the next thing, I'm gonna play a clip here. And this is another one of Tucker Carlson. Basically, this is another thing that's pushed a lot on the right uh, in general, and it's pushed a lot in the in white supremacist circles, and that is the concept that racism doesn't really exist. So again, it's part of the same you made me hit you theme of basically the only reason why racism exists is because you're talking about it. Here we go. No race politics is better than any other. All of it is poison. Race politics subsumes the individual into the group. It erases people. It dehumanizes them. Race politics elevates appearance over initiative and decency and all the other God-given qualities that makes every person of every color unique yet morally equal to every other person. And above all, race politics always makes us hate each other and always in a very predictable way. So let's say you were to make identity politics mandatory in your country as they have. How could you be surprised when that leads as it inevitably will to white identity politics? Well, you could not be surprised. You did it, and it was always going to happen. And then what happens next? Nothing good. Race politics is a sin. Race politics always leads to violence and death. There was only one answer to rising racial tension, and that's to de-escalate and do what we have done and tried to do for hundreds of years, which is work toward colorblind meritocracy and treat people as human beings created by God rather than as faceless members of interest groups that might benefit some political party or or other. We have a moral duty to do this because all people have equal moral value, no matter what they look like. All lives matter, period. That's not the determination of the U.S. government. That's the determination of God. And it's true. And most Americans already believe it. They would like to see a return to the American way of life. And the American way of life is meritocracy. Judge me by what I do, not by how I look, by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. We have a monument on the mall to this. So it's especially insidious for Tucker Carlson to use the language of the civil rights movement to argue that racism is not a problem and that racism only exists because people point out that racism exists. That if we just stopped talking about race, everything would go back to peaceful and everyone would get along. And somehow, magically, meritocracy would rise and, and people would, would get jobs based on merit and hard work and intelligence. Interestingly enough, Gavin McInnes, the founder of the Proud Boys, also pushed the idea of meritocracy constantly. These are white men who were born into privilege. Now, Gavin McInnes, not nearly as much privilege as Tucker Carlson, but McInnes, his father was an engineer, like a nuclear engineer, not exactly an auto mechanic like my father. But Tucker Carlson's father was, you know, he had a high-ranking job in broadcasting, and his stepmother, the woman who raised him, was an heiress to the Swanson Frozen Food Company. So this is someone who went to private schools. 
and country clubs and could walk into places and, and get jobs just based on a handshake where most of us are trying like hell to just cut through the mob of look at me, see me, I exist. Because I'm a woman I, I and I'm a white woman. So I, I, I can only try to empathize with what it's like to face racism because I have not had that personal experience and I would never dare say that I have. But I darn well know what it feels like to be judged based on my gender. And every woman and every LGBTQ person and every person of color knows what that feels like to be judged on something that we cannot control, that we have no choice in the matter. As I grew up poor, I knew what it was like to feel like being judged based on my socioeconomic situation that I had absolutely no control over. And it makes me really sick that he's using an example of 10 people being gunned down based on their skin color and nothing else to try to prove that racism doesn't exist. Think about what he just did there, because that was that monologue that I just played was a reaction to this. What happened in Buffalo? That is from last week. He's using the dead bodies of black people to argue that there is no racism. It, it's sickening. And he honestly believes or wants to promote that if we just stop talking about racism, if we just stop pointing it out, that it will go away. That black people will be treated and other people of color will be treated like equal citizens. And they'll have opportunities to every job they want and every apartment they want. And, and they won't be harassed by law enforcement. And they won't be shot by law enforcement. And they won't have to face racial slurs and prejudice and redlining and, and, and all of the discrimination in, in housing and in banking that they've had to face for generations. Racism does exist. And those 10 dead bodies in Buffalo are a great example of it. So another clip that I wanna play you is about The Great Replacement, which is why Tucker was so heavily criticized after the shooting in Buffalo, because the alleged shooter in his uh, rambling manifesto mentioned The Great Replacement conspiracy theory dozens of times. And according to people who track Tucker Carlson, he's apparently talked about it over 400 times on his show. I've seen echoes of it on other Fox shows because they'll say things like migrants crossing into our border are invading. They will even go so far as to equate our southern border with the invasion of Russia into Ukraine. I can't make that up. They've said that multiple times since I've started this project in mid-February. It's that disgusting. So I'm just going to play this clip. And it's about Tucker trying to sort of twist what the Great Replacement is all about. Oh, race replace, Great Replacement theory, anyone? These people are lunatics. They're telling you what their strategy is. When you note it, they scream at you and call you a criminal. In 2018, the New York Times published an editorial called, We Can Replace Them. <laughs> Just in case subtlety is not your thing. Quote, Right now, America is tearing itself apart as an embittered white conservative minority clings to power, terrified at being swamped by a new multiracial polyglot majority. Right. Okay. In 2020, Joe Scarborough, a real moral voice over at MSNBC, quoted this, Trumpism accelerated damage done by demographic changes and will harm Republicans for years. Demographics is destiny, end quote. Are you allowed to say that? Once again, they're wrong. And if you haven't looked at an electoral map recently, look at the districts, the almost 100% Hispanic districts in the Rio Grande Valley that are bearing the brunt of our open borders. They're now red. 
So you're wrong, Joe Scarborough, but the fact that you're saying demographics is destiny tells you the great replacement theory is coming from the left. They don't think it's a theory, they think it's real. In 2021, the Washington Post's Jen Rubin celebrated a report that the number of white people in this country was declining. Can you even imagine? Quote, this is fabulous news, she wrote. Now we need to prevent minority white rule. My God, talking like that. Is there any more divisive thing you could write? We could give you a million more examples. We're offended by this because it's wrong, and we've said so. But for saying so, according to Carl Cameron on MSNBC today, we should be thrown in jail. Why? Hmm. Who would those people be? Well, thanks to the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York, we now know. Schumer just sent a letter to our bosses here at Fox News blaming this show for the mass murder in Buffalo, as well as several other mass shootings in recent years. According to Chuck Schumer, this show spreads, quote, dangerous rhetoric and needs to be pulled off the air immediately in the name of public safety. So, yeah, he's basically saying the Great Replacement is, he's basically saying the Great Replacement is real. It's just not a theory. And that the left are causing it or the left are pushing for it. It's just utter nonsense. The actual conspiracy theory goes back to blaming Jews because almost every conspiracy theory blames Jews for everything. That's kind of the nature of them. Um, he leaves that out, of course. Uh, but someone, a follower, did notice that he does quote uh, Jennifer Rubin, who's a Jewish reporter in that. And they, they thought that that was sort of a subtle sign of him nodding to the conspiracy theory. You know, I can't get inside his head, but I wouldn't put it past him. Um, that was rather dark. I didn't notice it. And it was a follower that was like, oh, did you notice? That? I was like, oh, yikes. So I also wanted to talk about, briefly about, um, like I read an entire book based on this premise that the left is pushing white, young white males to, to extremism and, and white supremacy. There's a member of the Proud Boys, a former member of the Proud Boys, who's harassed me and threatened to sue me and has concocted this crazy conspiracy in his head that I've somehow plotted against him and have some, some great connections with federal law enforcement, which is downright laughable. <laughs> and um, I actually have talked to lawyers about it and they're like, just ignore him. So I am not going to say this man's name, but since he's threatened to sue me multiple times, um, I read the book that he has written. And that's the premise of the whole book is, uh, oh, the, the far right is created from the far left. And now, I can give you one argument that knocks down that entire premise fairly easily. And that argument is that white supremacy has been around since the 17th century. So pretty much as long as this country has existed, actually before this country has existed, white supremacy has existed. Extremism has existed. Violence towards groups of people of color and LGBTQ people and women has existed much longer than woke politics or the civil rights movement or the 60s. It's been around much, much, much longer. And then the other way to easily debunk that is just flip it. Well, if that were true, if political forces are making people crazy violent, then why aren't there organized groups of black people who are set out to kill white people? Now, they're, they're isolated. You can find small fringe groups of anything in the United States. You can find the craziest thing you could possibly think of on the internet. Just Google it, you can find a group dedicated to it. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but I'm not saying that at the same time, like if you look at black supremacy and try to compare it to white supremacy, one side is much bigger, much more organized, has books, has, has people in power who write books for them. The Death of the West written by Pat Buchanan, which is considered a completely 
mainstream book by most people is incredibly racist and incredibly white supremacist. And many people, including Gavin McInnes of the Proud Boys, call it one of their Bibles. I, I can't tell you how many people in the far right have cited that book as the reason why they got red-pilled and the reason why they got radicalized. And nobody would call Pat Buchanan, most people wouldn't call Pat Buchanan uh, an extremist. I would, because I've read his book, but most people wouldn't. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you just cannot compare the two movements because they're, one is tiny and the other one has pundits that have appeared on C CNN and are completely considered legitimate. So that's the difference. You know, Stephen Miller was in the White House. Steve Bannon was in the White House. You cannot compare some fringe black nationalist group to someone who's in a position in the White House. It's, just, it's not even close. So I don't want to waste too much time. I want to keep playing clips because I got more coming. I do want to talk about one example, however, that for whatever reason was downplayed in the press when it happened, and that is Timothy McVeigh. Most Americans think of Timothy McVeigh as an anti-government extremist. He was very much a white nationalist. Um, I point this out not to lionize him by any means, but just to point out that yes, White nationalists are capable of absolutely horrific acts of terror in the United States. Timothy McVeigh was obsessed with the racist fictional book called The Turner Diaries. He was trying to recreate it in some ways. He had the book memorized. After the bombing of the Oklahoma City building, he called uh, and searched for help from the National Alliance. And that was uh, a racist group founded by the author of The Turner Diaries who is very much a white nationalist. So when anyone says, well, white nationalists, I mean, they're not really causing any problems. This is all hype. This is, you're being silly. The Ku Klux Klan is a joke. No one cares. Just say Timothy McVeigh. And that was fairly recent. So I wouldn't say that, you know, that horrific terrorist attack, probably the worst ever by a domestic terrorist, is something to take light of. That was definitely 100% a white nationalist. Now I'm going to shift gears and do some comedy relief, because boy, we could use it with this episode. I am exhausted myself. Um, this is just a, I think, kind of a silly clip. I'm just gonna play it. It'll, it speaks for itself. This is Senator Tom Cotton. Important first step to try to get to the bottom of what was happening during the campaign and how it is that the FBI used its investigative powers to target Donald Trump's campaign. Yeah, did, did they know, did the FBI know that this dossier was, was debunked? Yeah, I think it's clear they did know in the campaign from testimony we've seen in the Congress and just public statements so as well. So what does that say about the FBI? It goes to show that the senior leadership on the FBI uh, under James Comey and in the Obama administration was willing to use false information as a pretext to target the nominee of one of our major uh, political parties, one of the biggest scandals in American political history. Okay. So well, that is Senator Tom Cotton basically saying that the FBI was leaning heavily towards Hillary Clinton and trying to sabotage Donald J. Trump's campaign in 2016. Just sit on that for a second. Um, I think we all remember that Comey investigation to Hillary Clinton's emails like right before the election that many people think cost her the election. <laughs> Go for it, Senator Tom Cotton. I do like his accent, though, because um, I'm from the same part of the country, roughly, and I do like that accent. I do like a good Tom Cotton. Because, you know, it's, I like to do accents on this show. People ask me to do my uh, Judge Janine. I'll do my Judge Janine right now. It's going to take me a second to transfer out of this Arkansas accent. I'm Judge Janine. I used to be a prosecutor. Did I mention that I was a lawyer? That I was a judge? Listen, I will throw this pen at you if you don't shut up. I 
I have dogs. I love my dogs. Is there food? Everyone says I'm drunk, but I claim I don't drink. I don't know. Listen, I have amazing shoes. Judge Janine wasn't on the shows much uh, last week because she was sick. And that kind of broke me because she helps cut through the sinisterness of listening to Tucker Carlson for that much time. Because I'll go through his um, shows two, three times sometimes to get stuff. So, you know, watching that tiny little uh, senior citizen scream at people just brings me brings me joy. I find her very funny. Um, don't agree with any of her politics, but she is very entertaining. So um, the last clip, and then I'm going to get into uh, stories that Fox ignored and the dubious experts of the week. This one is really sad, and if you're Gen X or older, you're going to hear exactly what's so gross about this clip. And I hate to end it with a sad clip, but I want to get a little bit of levity in there. With I do the Judge Jeanine, uh, permit, uh impression, because what happened is some t- one time I was just talking about her, and I kind of went into her voice. And one of my followers was like, oh, God, that was hilarious. So now it's like something I do um, just to help cut through <laughs> this insanity of really depressing themes and other stories pushed on Fox News. So here's the last clip, and then we'll end the show in a minute. Here you go. Hey, I want to ask you a question that I think everyone is dancing around. And I want to ask you this question, not to malign any particular groups, but to serve as a public service announcement. It does seem that right now monkeypox is spreading, not, not exclusively, Dr. Siegel, but, but significantly within the gay population. It looks like a gay sauna in Spain and in a festival in, in Belgium. Why? What, what do we need to know about that? Well, I believe that that virus can be spread sexually, and I think that that's for sure the reason. It's being spread by travelers, it's being spread sexually, it's being spread by close contact. Mm-hmm. And instead of doing what they did with HIV AIDS back in the 80s, oh, we don't want to talk about that, we better talk about that, because right. that's how you track, you track something epidemiologically. You don't be afraid it's not politically correct. To mention what you just mentioned, it's extremely important from right. a public health point of view to say that it's spreading in the gay population. You, you Absolutely. Make, you want to make people aware of the potential risks. So, hope- so what is, uh, yeah, there's so many things with that clip. If you're old enough to have lived through the AIDS crisis, they were definitely talking about gay men having AIDS because they weren't politically correct and they weren't nice about it and they called it the gay plague and they ostracized gay men and they shut them off. And people were abandoned and they treated them like absolute scum. And if it wasn't for ACT UP and the gay men's health crisis fighting like hell to get funding and research into HIV and AIDS, I don't know if we would have more casualties. That To say that people were, we didn't want to be politically correct towards the gay community. In the 80s, there was no such thing as being politically correct towards the gay community. They were completely, completely demonized. So uh, nice try. And then that whole, like, we just want to, like, let people know. Trust me, gay men know. If this is happening and the and and it's spreading through gay men, gay men know. They would know before anybody else would know because they lived through the AIDS crisis. Um, uh, they're never going to let that happen again. So I, it doesn't sound like monkeypox is really that big of a deal. It'll probably just go away as quickly as it came. Um and sexually transmitted disease, it's just not, it certainly doesn't sound lethal. So I think it's just, you know, it's something that's just going to happen and we'll get through it and move on. I just, I'm worried it's going to become another way to come at gay men and uh, be horrible towards gay people. 
which of course has been happening again since the beginning of time. Not new. So stories not covered on Fox News last week was there was an inspector general report on Afghanistan that was not very flattering towards the Trump administration, but it was also very, very critical of Biden and previous administrations. Of course it was. Um, Fox did not mention that at all. The other thing they did not mention is that there's new cases of COVID-19 spreading rapidly. It's a little alarming. Hospitalizations are also up again. Another story they did not talk about, Thomas Lane, one of the officers involved in the murder of George Floyd, pleaded guilty to state charges. Fox did not mention it. Uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed an executive order to target domestic terrorism and strengthen red flag laws. Did not mention that on Fox News. The FBI released a report about hate crimes showing that they, we are at the highest level they've been in over a decade, which is very alarming. And Fox News did not mention that at all. Um, I did see that on multiple places besides PBS NewsHour. And then the dubious experts of the week. We have three of them. I don't include clips because this was such a clip-heavy show. I knew it'd just be too much. But Matt Walsh, who is basically just a pundit. He has a radio show. He has a high school diploma. Uh, he talks about everything. He thinks he's some sort of expert. Some, you know, like, ah, oh, oh, oh. he's very smug. He's very arrogant. He hates trans people. He wrote, uh, he made a horrible, disgusting documentary that's very anti-trans. Um, he sometimes comes on to talk about trans issues as if he, why, why? You just have a bigot on. Okay. Um, but Tucker has him on all the time to talk about all kinds of stuff. And this past week, he talked about the Department of Hom Homeland Security Disinformation Governance Board, which basically has been shut down. I kind of saw that coming because it seemed kind of like a half-baked, kind of a bad idea. But anyway, Matt Walsh was on to talk about that because he has expertise in nothing. And then next up is Laura Trump. They, she, uh, she used to make these crazy, you can probably still find them, videos on YouTube that were really, really nutty. Where she'd just be like, Trump, Donald J. Trump, this week in Donald J. Trump news, they would do like these news segments where they would just talk about positive things about Donald J. Trump to argue against the evil media that's constantly criticizing him. That's my Laura Trump impression, sort of, with a severe eyebrow situation that she's got going, very severe eyebrows, and she gets very indignant, and Donald J. Trump, that's Laura Trump. She doesn't really have expertise in anything, but they have her on all the time to talk about various things, and she just basically just chills for President Trump. And then Dr. Scott Atlas, which again, he is a medical doctor, bravo, Fox for actually having a doctor, not a comedian, talk about COVID-19. But he uh, worked for the Trump administration. His specialty is radiology, not infectious diseases, and he's promoted multiple conspiracy theories involving COVID-19 in the past. So by the numbers uh, that's posted, that's very, very visual, doesn't really make sense to talk about it on the podcast. The graphs are in the newsletter. Uh, Buffalo shooting was very big on the list for both PBS NewsHour and Fox News, although Fox News really pushed the Pennsylvania primary, whereas PBS pushed all of the primaries. Uh, Fox is shilling hard for Dr. Oz, which is kind of funny. And then finally, by the numbers, every single week, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made that list. Why? I don't know. She only made it twice, but still, they always have to talk about her. Another thing that was pretty funny is the Keystone Pipeline is back as some sort of magical 
elixir to cure inflation. Very briefly, the Keystone Pipeline was designed as an extension of a previous pipeline to take pretty dirty oil from Canada out of the United States. So I'm not sure how rebuilding that, getting that back up, the Keystone Pipeline would fix inflation in any way, shape, or form in the United States. One sign that we might be headed for a slowing down of inflation, they had a very long segment on PBS NewsHour about this, about how as they tinker with interest rates, and that's always delicate because you don't want to go too far with it, as they raise the interest rates, it will slow down housing because houses will become more expensive and people won't be able to take out the mortgages for them. And that would should slow down this crazy runaway housing market that we have. And that accounts for like one third of inflationary pressures. So if we can slow down housing a little bit, we might be able to slow down this super hot economy. And of course, inflation is a global problem right now. It's happening all over the world. You can't fix it with just opening the Keystone Pipeline. Another thing that was kind of crazy, Fox actually had a countdown um, because for Title 42. Title 42 being the policy where uh, migrants coming into the United States, if they tested positive for COVID-19, they were denied entry and sent back. Um, Biden was trying to lift that finally. It's a Trump-era um, policy. And he got blocked by a federal court. And honestly, Fox actually seemed a little depressed that they couldn't keep talking about it because they kept going like, three more days, Title 42, and then we will be inundated with thousands of migrants every single hour. That's literally how they talk about it. So the fact that, that Title 42 for now is still in place and people who test positive for COVID-19 will be sent back, it almost seemed disappointing because they want any anything that they can get Biden for literally anything they can get Biden for they will use um and that's about it for the week um I just want to tell you really quickly I tried to make my first long form video where I was in it I wasn't happy with the quality it had some lighting and sound issues I didn't like so I scrapped it even after working hours on it um I but it's coming soon it's coming soon I'm going to try a different way to do it also, I started a Patreon because some people have spontaneously given this project money. Thank you so much for anybody who wants it. It's not ready yet, but soon. And I will be doing a review of 2,000 Mules soon. We're going to do a special episode just on that. Thank you so much. I'm going to be doing Laura Ingram next week. Come back for the podcast and newsletter next Monday. Thank you. Thank you all for coming to my one woman